0: You know, one of the things that we're very grateful for and blessed by is that uh, we have quite a few people in this church body who can um, handle the Word of God accurately, teach it, Um, pastors, elders, life group leaders, some of you, and we have a lot of people in this region in Northeast Ohio that can manage the Word of God with accuracy and teach it with passion. And uh, this morning, we get to have one of those people as our guest, and his name is Pastor Stephen Owens. Now, uh, there's a little history here that will be beneficial for you. Uh, 30 years ago, over 30 years ago, CVC planted its first church, came alongside a a church planter and partnered with them, and we became the sending church for this church plant, and it's Mount Calvary Baptist Church in Bedford, and um, our founding pastor, Rick Duncan, became Uh, friends, and uh, basically colleagues, you know, uh, pastoral colleagues with uh, the pastor who pastored that church for years, Pastor James Edwards. And then Pastor James Edwards wanted to retire, and he sought out a young church planter who had planted a church down the road. said, can I talk to you? And so Pastor James Edwards started talking to Pastor Stephen Owens. And in 2014, Pastor James Edwards passed the baton of leadership of Mount Calvary Baptist Church to Pastor Stephen Owens, who now pastors that church. And over the years, I've gotten a chance to know Stephen. And over the last couple of years, we've spent some additional time getting to know each other. And it's a joy for me to call uh, Pastor Steve my friend. And my brother, he's been very gracious, has invited me um, a couple times over to Mount Calvary to teach and share what he's doing over there. And I uh, said, man, I'd love to have you at CVC sometime. And so today's the day uh, that we've been talking about for quite a while now that we get to be blessed by Pastor Stephen coming. Uh, he loves the Lord. He loves the church. He loves people coming to Christ. He also has a special place in his heart for leadership. He's written several leadership books and loves to see leaders raised up and used for the Lord. And so he's going to be teaching in our teaching series this week. So would you give a warm CVC welcome to our brother and friend, Pastor Stephen Owens.
1: Amen. Come on, can we put our hands together for the Lord? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hey Amen. first off, I want to just say thank you to Pastor Chad for allowing me to come uh, and inviting me to come to be a part of the uh, the Soul Care Series. And I have the privilege of uh, dealing with the revived soul. So if you have your Bibles, we are turning to the book of Psalms. We're going to Psalm 19, and we're going to be reading verses 7 through, uh, through 9. Psalm 19, verses 7 through 9. And I'm reading from the New King James, and it reads as follows The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the, the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever the judgment of the lord are true and righteous all together and i just want to read verse 7 out of the new living translation it reads the instructions of the lord are perfect reviving the soul the decrees of the lord are trustworthy making wise the simple may the lord add a blessing to the hearing and reading of his word can we bow our heads in prayer Father, we thank you and we bless you. We thank you, O Lord, for this time of being able to gather around your word. Father, we pray that you bless this time, that you encourage the hearts and the minds of your people. We thank you, O Lord, for this privilege. Father, we pray that you will speak to me and through me. Let your people not hear me, but you, Holy Spirit, who dwell within me. We thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' mighty name, we do pray. Amen. In the day and time we are living in, I would venture to say that we all need a little bit, if not a whole lot, of reviving. When I think of the word revive, I think of being refreshed. Uh, I think of being encouraged. And and while there is some excitement in the air uh, about the warmer weather that we're experiencing and the, the, the turn towards a sense of normalcy, uh, there have been many of us who have ex- experienced a sense of being overwhelmed with stress and anxiety and depression over the past year and a half. From being uh, stuck in the house and being Isolated, Some of us being concerned about our finances, others just being concerned about family and friends or just the virus in general. But for other folks, uh, they didn't experience any of the mental states I just said. For them, they've experienced something else, which is called languishing. Uh, A psychologist by the name of Adam Grant wrote an article for the New York Times recently entitled Feeling Blah During the Pandemic is Called Languishing languishing can be explained as the absence of feeling good about life it is when a person lacks meaning they they lack purpose they they lack the sense of belonging and they end up experiencing a sense of emptiness and stagnation but i don't think that only applies to people mentally i also believe that that can apply to people spiritually That in the season of lockdown that we've all experienced, many believers have been knocked out of their normal routine of coming to church and being in community and serving in ministry and reading the word of God together. And they moved into a lack of belonging, a lack of purpose, and also a lack of feeling good about life. And many Christians have moved into a place of being spiritually dull and spiritually apathetic. Basically becoming uh, stagnant in their passion for God and stagnant for the things of God. They entered into a spiritual rut, becoming stagnant in their spiritual growth. Well, if that's you uh, today or just experienced at any time over the last year and a half, I believe the psalm that we're looking at this morning is going to encourage us because it gives us amazing insight on how to move past spiritual dullness and into spiritual vitality. Psalm 19 is attributed to King David. King David, that that shepherd boy who killed Goliath with his slingshot and one smooth stone. King David, King David who, who became the second king of Israel. King David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, is the one Psalm 19 is attributed to. Psalm 19, C.S. Lewis says about this psalm, he says, I think this is the greatest poem in the psalms and one of the greatest lyrics in the world, end quote. In the very first verse, David makes an emphatic statement about the heavens. He says, The heavens tell of the glory of God. Uh, the skies displays his mirac- miraculous or marvelous craftsmanship. The scripture doesn't tell us this, but I can imagine King David looking out and looking up at the stars while he's outside and looking at the sky, and he becomes amazed at what he sees and what he knows about God. And as he looks up and thinks about the power of God, he says, "The heavens tell of the glory of God, and the skies displays His marvelous craftsmanship." He sees the the moon and the stars he sees the clouds and the sun hanging there and he becomes amazed and he and he realizes, or rather affirms what the atheist denies that only God could have done this only God could have made the heavens only God could created the the heavens and the earth only an intelligent designer could create the things we see and experience look at at the craftsmanship look at the artistry david was an, was an artist he was a psalmist one of those creative types and generally great artists can appreciate great art even in other genres one philosopher said great art speaks a language which every intelligent person can understand and that is exactly what King David is telling us concerning the creation or rather the artistry of God. That it speaks. Listen to verses 2 through 4. It says, day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make him known. They speak without a word, or excuse me, without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world that the heavens speak and the heavens are declaring hear me that there is a God and he is powerful and he is intelligent and he created everything the heavens and the earth, and he has created everything, and we are to know who he is. You know, as we experience this warm weather, I would encourage you, or rather even challenge you, to go outside and just spend some time looking up. Looking at the heavens and let the heavens speak to you without sound and in silence as they declare the glory of God. And they encourage or revive your soul. Because they will declare that God is real. They will declare that not only is God real, he is all powerful and he is a masterful creator. Immanuel Kant said about the world he said it is impossible to contemplate the fabric of the world without recognizing the admirable order of its arrangement and the certain manifestation of the hand of God in the perfection of its correlation he says basically this When you look at the creation of this world, you cannot help but see the mighty hand of God. You can't help but see God's hand in the midst of his creation. Listen, to know that there is a God who is all powerful, who created everything, it can or rather it should refresh us, which is point number one. Listening to God's creation should refresh revive us listening to god's creation should refresh us realizing that there is someone hear me who is bigger than the circumstances we face should encourage us knowing that there is someone who is bigger than the problems we will endure in life should revive our souls to know that we're not here by accident should be encouraging To know that God had a plan for humanity and placed us here for a reason should be refreshing. Yet while it is refreshing and encouraging to those who know the truth of God's word, to those who don't know the truth, it would not be refreshing, it would be condemning. Because no one can legitimately say there is no God. The Apostle Paul, he he deals with this in, in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, where he says how all people, having seen the earth and the sky, all the things God has made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse whatsoever for not knowing God. He says, No one can say that there is no God because God has revealed himself in his creation. But even though the heavens declare the glory of God, declares that there is a God, the heavens give us general revelation. It just basically is telling everyone that there is a God out there. But in order to know who he is, you got to go to his special revelation you have to go to the bible the word of god understand it is only in the bible do we come to understand that the god who created the universe is triune that that he is one in nature and three in persons in the father son and holy spirit it's only in the bible that we learn that because nowhere else will we come to know that truth It is only in the Bible that we come to learn that God the Son is Jesus the Christ who lived in Nazareth and died on a Roman cross and was buried in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb and resurrected three days later with all power in his hands. Only in the Bible do we learn that. It is only in the Bible that we come to find out that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God, that he existed before God made anything at all and is supreme over all creation. Christ is the one through whom God created everything in heaven and earth. The only place you're going to learn that is in the Bible. The only place you will be exposed to that truth is in His special revelation to humanity. God reveals His identity in the Bible, but not only does He reveal His identity in the Bible, He also reveals His will and His word. King David writes about this in, in verses 7 through 11. He actually uses six phrases to help us get a a fuller understanding, a fuller picture of God's Word. He says how it is the law of the Lord. It is the testimony of the Lord, the statutes of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, and the judgment of the Lord. David is speaking of the Old Testament and specifically talking about the Torah, the the, the Mosaic writings, the first five books of the Old Testament. We know that because in verse number seven, the word law means Torah in Hebrew. The law, the Torah, is instructions, it means teaching. And that's exactly what the Word of God is. It teaches us about God. It instructs us on how to live for God and to live in the ways of God. The other words that David used, testimony, statutes, commandment, fear, and judgment. We're going to get technical just for a little bit. Please, please stay with me. Don't fall asleep on me, all right? In Exodus twenty-five twenty-one, we find out the testimony is the Ten Commandments. The statutes speak to the practical matters of life, uh, the way God wanted Israel to dress and what he wanted them to eat. The commandments mean that which is appointed, talking about how God specifically said certain things he wanted Israel to do and certain things he did not want them to do. The fear is talking about how we are to respond to God and respond to his word. Not that we are to respond in terror, but we should respond in reverence and awe. And finally, the the judgments. The judgments are the the verdicts or the ordinances that, that God wanted the judges and the officials of Israel to use as they govern the people righteously and fairly. All six of those terms are talking about the word of God. David would have been talking about the Mosaic law, but we know those terms apply to all scripture, the Old and New Testament. Matter of fact, even in the New Testament, we're told to obey the Ten Commandments. The only one we're not told to do is the Sabbath. Not only does David give us these six terms about the word of God, he also gives us six attributes and six ministries or blessings of the Word of God, working from the bottom up, starting at nine, going to seven, the judgment of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. That the Word of God helps us to understand God's righteousness. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. That as we read God's Word, He shows us how to live clean, how to live holy before Him. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. That as we read the scriptures, the scriptures help us to get insight about life. If you want to understand life and get a proper perspective concerning life, read the word of God. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. He's saying that as we spend time reading the scriptures, that that, that joy begins to overflow in our hearts as we read and spend time with God. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. That God's word gives us wisdom on how to live life and the things we do in life. And then finally, the law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul the the new living translation says reviving the soul that 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 as we read god's word it helps us to be refreshed he he revives our soul he gives vitality to our souls you know when i think about the way david describes the word of god in those three verses it, it encouraged me even more to spend more time in god's word spending more time reading it and studying it and meditating on it and memorize it when we look at the benefits of spending time with God it should motivate us to want to carve out time to want to spend with God why? because of point number two spending time in God's word will revive us his word refreshes us His word sparks joy in our hearts. It it gives us insight and wisdom to live life. And David, too, tried to encourage us even more of the importance of the word of God. He says, God's word should be desired more than gold. It is sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. He's basically saying, listen, God's word is better than... Than the finer things of life. God's word is better than gold. Is better than money. Is better than honey. Is better than luxuries. God's word is better. He ends verse number 11. By saying. I'm going to paraphrase for us. If we obey God's word. We'll be blessed. If we do what he tells us to do. He will bless us. I would like to encourage you. Over. The next week, over the next seven days, take some time to go outside and read the word of God. Specifically, read Psalm 19. It's only 14 verses, right? It's not going to be a long time. Go out and sit under the heavens while the heavens speak of the glory of God. Let the word of God revive your soul. I know for myself, I, I like to go out on the deck in my, at my house in the backyard and just sit and read the Bible. On, on warmer days, we in Cleveland, right? We ain't tripping, right? But on warmer days, we, we like to, I like to go out into the, on my deck and just read the Bible. It, it calms my heart. It calms my soul. It refreshes me. You know, it's interesting that after David talks about the Word of God and how amazing it is... He, he moves into what sounds like a prayer to close out the song. It's as if he, he reflects on, on, on who God is and how God has revealed himself in his word. And, and all David could do is think about how he is not like God while he wants to please God. That should be every Christian realizing we are not like God even though we want to please God the reason why I say that is because he talks about his sin and he talks about how he needs God's help so that his sin does not control him listen to what he says in verses 12 and 13 he says how can I know all the sins lurking in my heart cleanse me from those hidden faults keep your servant from deliberate sins don't let them control me then i will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin david he he knew he he realized that he has sinned that he was a Sinner, and he realized as well that sometimes he sinned deliberately. He sinned on purpose. And he knew if God didn't help him, his sin would control him, his sin would overpower him. And you know, the truth of the matter is, David ain't in that boat by himself everyone is a sinner everyone needs the help of god to help us to rescue us from our sin even christians those who are saved by grace we steal sin and sometimes even do it deliberately and if we do not repent turning to God for help and relying on his spirit to help us have power to resist our sinful desires we too will be overpowered by sin David knew that he could not get into sin and then pull himself up by his bootstraps and get out of that sin no he needed God's help which leads to our last point point number three as god revives us we must continue to rely on him for strength because the truth of the matter is we cannot fight against sin on our own we need the strength of god we need him to give us power to fight against sinful desires But not only do we need his help to fight against sin, we also need his help to fight against other issues we face in life. Such as illness and loneliness, stress and anxiety. We need his help for times of depression and laziness and even times of languishing. We need God's help. Why? Because as the end of the psalm says, as David says at the end of the psalm, verse 14... He is our Lord, our strength, and our Redeemer. And listen, as, as New Testament believers who have received the, the full counsel of God, we've received the Bible, we know there's only one person who fits all three of those categories, and that is God the Son, and His name is Jesus he is our Lord. He is our strength and he is our Redeemer. Jesus is our Lord. Philippians 2.11 tells us Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Philippians four and thirteen encourages us how we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And then finally, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19 reminds us, we were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Jesus sacrificed himself for us. He redeemed us. He he purchased us. So that we can escape the wrath of God and have eternal life and to expend eternity with him. But not only did he die for us, he also came back to life for us and showing us that his sacrifice was honored by the father. But he didn't just die and resurrect for those in the church. He died and resurrected for the world for all people for all tongues for every tribe every color every ethnic group he died and resurrected for everyone and that should encourage our hearts it should revive our souls because i know like you and me we both got some cousins who need to know jesus and praise God he died and resurrected for them too so they can come to know who he is God does not want anyone to perish he doesn't want anyone to spend eternity away from him he he desires that everyone comes to repentance and place their faith in his son Jesus for salvation of which you can do today if you don't have a relationship with Jesus today I will encourage you to repent of your sin just turn to God and ask for forgiveness believe the gospel of Jesus Christ in his death his burial and bodily resurrection and confess Jesus as your Lord commit your life to him and salvation will be yours. If you want to give your life to the Lord, I just ask you to say a prayer with me. Let us bow. Father, in the name of Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe you sent Jesus. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he came back to life three days later. Jesus, I make you my Lord and my Savior. Now, Father, I pray for us, your church. I pray, O Lord, that you would revive our souls. As we spend time out in your creation, as we spend time reading your word, we pray that you would revive us, O God, encourage us, refresh us, O God. As we spend time relying on your strength, revive us. We thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen. God bless you and God keep you.